covering the Green Bay Packers training camp all summer long. This is CampCast, a Midwest Communications podcast. Welcome back to the Green and Gold CampCast. I'm Mark Daniels. Well, the Packers have moved past the halfway point of training camp. Two preseason games down and two more to go. And it won't be long before the arduous roster deliberations begin in the office of General Manager Brian Gutekunst. I've always wondered how those discussions go. While watching a recent training camp practice, I visited with a Packer scout, and he gave me at least a glimpse of what the scouting department discussions are like leading up to the one and only cut the day after the Packers finished the preseason against the Kansas City Chiefs. That's when they go from the 90-man camp roster to the final 53, and then one day later, they can start adding up to 10 players for their practice squad. My scouting friend told me he had to leave practice just a bit early that day to take care of his twice-weekly assignment. That's to rank the top six players at each position and explain why the names have either moved up or down the list. He told me nearly all the college scouts go through this exercise and the lists are debated almost daily. And when the cut day draws closer, the entire personnel department has a very good idea who the best players on the team are. And that's when the head coach, Matt LaFleur, and his assistants enter the discussion to explain who they like and how they all fit. So with that in mind, I thought I'd give the exercise a try myself. And for lack of a better name, let's call it the Six Packers. Now on the current roster, there aren't a total of six players at a few positions, so I combined a couple of them, like the running backs with the fullbacks, the entire offensive line versus just guards or tackles. Same for linebackers, both inside and outside. The names that aren't on my list will certainly be on the bubble in a couple of weeks. And even though there are just four in camp, I couldn't resist starting my six Packers list with the quarterbacks. A couple of weeks ago, I have them ranked this way. Aaron Rodgers, Tim Boyle second, Deshaun Kaiser third, and Manny Wilkins fourth. It is neck and neck with Boyle and Kaiser for the backup job. Both flash and frustrate nearly every day. Kaiser still might have more athletic upside in his third system in as many years in the NFL. But there's something about Boyle, an untapped it factor, if you will. Wilkins deserves to be on a practice squad to keep developing. Now for the running backs. Number one, Aaron Jones, followed by Jamal Williams, Danny Vitale, Trey Carson, Dexter Williams, and Tommy Bohannon. Vitale was having the best camp of all of the backs until he got nicked up. Carson runs hard. Williams has a future. And yes, Bohannon, on the squad for just a couple of days, jumps in front of Malcolm Johnson at fullback and ahead of the free agent collection of runners like Darren Hill and Keith Ford. The reason? He's got almost as much NFL experience as the others combined. The wide receivers, very competitive. Devontae Adams obviously is number one. You know who my number two is? Jake Kumaro, followed by Marquez Valdez-Scantling, Geronimo Allison, four, Darius Shepard, five, Equinemius St. Brown completes that six-pack. Kumaro has got to get on the field every Sunday this season, starting with that Thursday game against the Bears. Despite a jam pinky, he just makes plays every day. Shepard may be the littlest big surprise of training camp. An invited tryout player from North Dakota State. He's a perfect slot receiver in Lafleur's offense. Sorry, Trevor Davis, Jamon Moore, Green Bay veterans who are in big trouble. And out of the offensive line, again, this is regardless of position. My six top linemen are David Bakhtiari, Corey Lindsley, Brian Balaga, Billy Turner, Lane Taylor, and Alex Light. Turner is better than I thought he'd be after arriving from the Denver Broncos as a free agent. Light's growth in year two made Jason Spriggs, a number two pick, expendable. 
There's actually some decent depth who didn't make the top half dozen players like Lucas Patrick, Justin McCray, and rookie Elton Jenkins. As for the defensive line, I have Kenny Clark first, followed by Dean Lowry, Tyler Lancaster, followed by Montrevious Adams, Kingsley Kiki, and Deion Simon. Adams has made great strides this offseason, but Lancaster is a better inside mauler in my opinion. Simon hasn't done a whole lot, but neither have holdovers James Looney and the injured Fidal Brown. But Clark at the top of my list on the D-line, he is a Pro Bowl caliber player. At linebacker, only two of my half dozen were on the team last year. Putting the inside and outside backers together, I ranked them Zadarius Smith first, Blake Martinez next, Rashawn Gary slightly ahead of Preston Smith, followed by Kyler Fackrell, James Crawford, who fill out my top half dozen. Gary is so athletically raw, but his motor revs a little higher than Preston's. Z Smith, well, he's been dominant in camp, pure and simple. And I have Crawford in there ahead of the injured Oren Burks and his two replacements at inside backer Curtis Bolton and Ty Summers, but barely ahead of them. And down to the very crowded corner backfield. My list of top six, Jair Alexander, one, Tony Brown, two, Kevin King, Tremont Williams, Kadar Holman, Chandon Sullivan. Very competitive group. And that's why Brown has soared to number two. He leads the team in pass breakups in camp, and she sure lets everyone know about it with his talking. King just cannot stay healthy, but he sure is needed. Tremont is slowing down, but as top-notch savvy. Holman and Sullivan had picks against the Houston Texans in the preseason opener and are worth keeping. Josh Jackson not in the top six for now after missing so much of camp with injury. Finally, the safeties. Adrian Amos is one, Darnell Savage two, Raven Green, Will Redmond, Natrell Jamerson, and Josh Jones at number six, but barely. Green is solid in the box. Redmond's okay in coverage. Ibrahim Campbell might immediately jump over a couple of players, Josh Jones included, in this position group as soon as he comes off the physically unable to perform list. And there you have it, my six packs of Packers with a half a camp to go. Curious to see how many of my top half dozens make the final roster. Stay tuned. For the Green and Gold Campcast, I'm Mark Daniels. This is the Green and Gold Campcast. Going to spend a couple of minutes talking about headgear. Made a lot of headlines with Antonio Brown, the former Pittsburgh Steeler free agent, now an Oakland Raider, who sat out a training camp for almost a couple of weeks over his helmet. Seems his 10-year-old helmet he just does not want to give up is no longer deemed safe by NFL standards, and he was asked to change. He resisted for quite a while before returning to camp this past week, saying he'll try out a couple of new models. Well, the helmet question also involves Aaron Rodgers. He's going to have to change hats this year. He's had a history of concussions since becoming a professional football player. And the helmet topic was broached this week when Aaron met the media. Aaron, which helmet have you settled on for this year? I'm still working through it, but uh, I'm, in, I'm considering two that are certified and legal. Is it difficult adjusting? Like, what's no. the breaking in process? Of a helmet? Yeah. No, it's not difficult at all. Um, you know, I've worn very similar helmets my entire career. Uh, I changed after 10 when I had two concussions to a safer one. I was wearing like the one that Farby was wearing for so long, and that was a little outdated probably. And then I think around that time when the CBA got signed, they had some better regulations about the uh, safety quality of the helmets. And I've just kind of been up to date 
uh, for years. Last year, my helmet, because there's been such advancements in helmet safety, my helmet was actually in the not as safe category. Uh, but anybody wearing that kind of got one more year to find a new helmet. So, I mean, I knew coming in I was going to have to make a change. Is which, there a, which ones are you considering at this point? The one I'm wearing and a Vice's helmet. And the one you're wearing in the left? It's a, uh, where is it? I think it's a, a shut. I'm sorry? A shut. Oh, shut. Yeah. Is there a comfort that a player acquires when they've had a Yeah, but I was, I was actually just telling uh, a couple guys um, on Sirius that the way they make the helmets these days, the, I mean, they do a great job molding it to your head, and, and the fit is spectacular. I can go from this helmet to a Vices helmet to a different helmet, and as far as the fit is concerned, you don't really notice the difference at all. It fits really nicely. What's your involvement with Vices, if any? Yeah, I've, I've uh, invested some money with Vices because I believe in the product. They're obviously, you know, last two years have the safest helmet on the market. Um, I purchased a number of them for high schools in Northern California. Uh, all three actually in my area, Chico High School, our rival, Pleasant, Pleasant Valley High School where I went, and then Paradise High School as well, so those kids can have the uh, the safest product out there. An awfully nice gesture from the Packer quarterback to keep high school kids as safe as possible on the gridiron. For the Green and Gold Campcast, I'm Mark Daniels. Welcome back to the Green and Gold Campcast. Pleasure to be visiting with Ian Rappaport of the NFL Network. I think you're an original member, aren't you? Close to it. Uh, somewhat close, yeah. I think I've been there for, for eight years. Uh, not quite the 100 year, the anniversary that we're supporting and uh, the shirt I'm wearing, but I've been, it's been a while. And this is one-on-one for these guys uh, after the birthday the other day. Um, what's your thoughts on this franchise? It's, uh, it's an overhaul after, you know, a, a very, in this business, long run between McCarthy, Thompson, and that bunch. Oh, no doubt. And I think, you know, it was, obviously there's a lot of success here, a lot of success on, under Mike McCarthy, but, you know, I think it's pretty fair to say this was a place that needed a little bit of new energy, a little bit of new blood. Um, you know, it just it felt like it needed to be refreshed a little bit. And, you know, that's that's kind of what's happening. I mean, Matt LaFleur is a young guy, but I think the energy that, that he brings was necessary. And, um, you know, it's coaching staff, same thing. Um, you know, Mike Pettin's a little bit older, but he's, he's an energetic dude himself. He's not shy, obviously. So um, I think what's happening here was, was important and probably needed to happen. So, is the adage of a honeymoon period or a little bit of fall off while the new regime takes hold uh, apply here, or can this team jump right in the way Matt Nagy and the Bears jump right in? Yeah, I mean, I don't. Uh, first of all, I don't get the sense that any, no media, uh, no public now lets anyone have a honeymoon on anything. So I think if people are going to be expecting this team to come out and be good and. Um, I kind of expect that also. I mean, you look at the defense, for instance, really good, really stacked, a lot of really good players. Obviously, the offense has a ton of pieces. You know, maybe could use a little more depth in a couple places, but certainly a ton of pieces. I mean, this is a team that should come out and be much improved. You know, we'll see how much, but um, definitely improved from where they left off last year. And it certainly sounds like the kind of togetherness or whatever um, is at a place where it needs to be. And 
the togetherness seems never more apparent than how people are viewing the Lafleur Rogers relationship in light of the Rogers McCarthy divorce. It's a storyline that even comes up this week again, um, and Aaron kind of just kind of laughed it off. But it's it's there. It's an elephant in this room, and it's got to be a good relationship. It has to be, and, and it really does. You know, and obviously it's the preseason, so things are going fine, and and there's been really no adversity. But it seems like the relationship is good. I mean, I know Aaron and and Lafleur kind of built this offense together, and that's, you know, when I talk to players here, and that's one of the things that's that comes up a lot is that these coaches accept feedback, they accept uh, suggestions in a way that the old coaching staff really didn't. I think it's something that's really going to benefit them. All right, last couple of things here. Tell me, uh, how hard was it to get? as connected as you are in this <laughs> in this business and in this league uh it took a it took a long yeah. time um i would say the first probably two years of um you know really the first two years of working for nfl network i traveled every thursday game and i basically made it my mission to meet as many people as possible and it's about building relationships it it takes forever it's very slow it's very frustrating um but now I'm at a point where I kind of like where I am as far as the people I know and the things that I can report. And obviously it's, uh, it's been very beneficial. You do a fantastic job. My, my tree goes back, started covering this team when Bart was coaching. And so, you know, the Holmgren tree, I know all these guys. And, you, you know, but I'm not going to be calling them, not going to be running into them as much. But you've got to be on the phone. You've checked your phone six times since we've started. No, that's true. Yet. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's a it's a lifestyle. One I chose. One I'm you know nicely compensated <laughs> for. And one I really like. Uh, but it does force you to check your phone a lot. And even you know coming out the training camp here or anywhere, there's a level of nervousness because you're talking to people on the field and your phone's buzzing. You don't know whether it's a buddy texting you something or if it's a trade that you missed. And it's just. It's a little bit of stress, um, but overall it's a lot of fun. And the insatiable appetite of the public for this business, the National Football League, is incredible. Oh, and that's one of the crazy things. And it's like people always joke about, like, you know, you're going to enjoy your offseason, and it's like a month. But I it's, agree. it's the world we live in because people love football so much they need football news all the time. And, you know, I try to, I try to bring it. All right. Keep the tweets coming on the rap sheet. Follow it. So uh, thanks again. Appreciate the time. All right. Thank you, man. Campcast, a Midwest communications podcast.